You want to intro the show? Hello, listeners. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> if anybody was listening, they'd be like, turn it off. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> this is my show. Okay. What's your, what's your show about? Fashionable murder mysteries? Yes. I yes. like it, actually. There's probably something like I actually that. just watched the um, the Hulu documentary on Von Dutch. Someone died. It's like a fashion murder mystery. Um, With uh, the hat. Yes, the hat and the clothing merch. It's fascinating. Very fascinating. That, I, like, also so weird. I had no idea. And then the guy, like, turned out to be super racist towards the end. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Plot twist. Uh, so, fuck, I forget what, excuse me, in know. German is, but, right? Because wasn't the guy, there was a French guy? Yeah. There was German, was he actually Dutch? No, it was, <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe he wasn't German. I'm a, I I know he was European. Yeah. And then there was Christian Ottinger who like was, I think he, I can't remember what, what he is, but he kind of came in towards the end. He died though. He died too, but he wasn't the one that was murdered. Someone else was murdered. Right. That was, yeah, that documentary was fucking bonkers. I know. It's so weird to think of like, because- it's like, <laughs> like really, it was started by like what I think of as like the ground level, like, because was it Venice? Yeah, it was Venice Beach. Like that, that like dirty, sketchy Venice like vibe. Yeah. And then Cholos. Yeah. How easy, you do your own merch, you do your own graphics. I do. You're very talented, by the way. Well, thank you. I see your stuff all the time. I'm like, damn. I always say I'm more of a designer than I am a drawer. Drawer, Because yeah. I fucking Frankenstein a bunch of shit together and then turn it into Oh, that's, what I yeah, want. I mean, that's what I do too. Oh, sick. Professionally, I mean, I think that's what most Although, people do. Although, uh, listeners, if you don't watch the video, which is fine, <laughs> uh, but there is an art piece Technically, it's four art pieces, uh, one of which is upside down. Yeah. Um, well, technically, you have five. You just didn't hang one of them up. I was talking about just the ones that they could see. Okay, okay. If you really <laughs> zoom into the ground. I don't know No, they, they can can't see it. see it. They can see it. Well, I think, I don't know how much you cut off, but it's over there. It's right there. Oh, yeah. No, the whole thing's in there. Is it? I can't tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to remember. It's because... We had been planning for you to come back on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the major thing uh, being the the car accident. Oh yeah, like the the catalyst to be like, oh, I I I, I have some things I want to talk about. Yeah, hold on to your butts, people. <laughs> a lot has happened this last year. <laughs> oh God. Uh, okay, so where do we start? Um... Well, okay. Because there's a lot of like yeah. layers to that. Right, 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 right. I was going to say, 
let's do because I feel like when you were on previously, mm-hmm. there was you seemed grounded. And like you had all these techniques. No, I was masking. I was masking hard. That's what I'm saying. I'm a liar. (laughs) Um, On the surface, I can make myself look okay. But am I actually okay? No. Am I going to be okay? Yes, eventually. Are we all ever okay? (laughs) I mean, but yeah, I was definitely not okay. And I was trying to... Is this a My Chemical Romance song? Because... (laughs) (laughs) Right away, save me. <laughs> I'm not okay either. Um, okay, so where do we start? We start with I was trying to save my marriage, mm-hmm. and that didn't work out. I am now separated. The divorce should be final by like finalized, said and done by the end of this month, January 2023. <laughs> oh my god! I know, which is. Great, wonderful. At least I'm hoping and praying. It's it's interesting. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, it's interesting to see like, because my my sister in law is originally well, she's originally from a couple places, mm-hmm. but like Oregon, Utah, mostly I would say Utah, and she came here with my brother basically just to live with our family, mm-hmm. and was pretty disconnected from hers. It's expensive to fly back in. It's hard to describe, but like you don't know anybody and you don't know how to like acclimate and get to know people. Yeah, um, that is something that I am still struggling with. Like to anybody that doesn't know, I don't have any family here. I moved out here with my ex, with him and his family. He's got his mom, his brother, um, he had his grandpa. Like they, they all live in the same neighborhood. And we created friends in a community together, but because of his business and some of our friends work in that business. Sorry, one second. So a lot of our friends, when we separated, they kind of, I don't fault them for it, but they chose to do what is, what was easiest. and um. I guess, not follow up with me, not reach out to me, just kind of stick with their own routine. Like, what do you say to someone, like, that's separated? Like, we had, you know, a great friendship, relationship. They live in the same neighborhood, like, as him or near him. They, Mm -hmm. like, work for him. So, I mean, it makes makes sense. Like Those relationships are tough, uh, especially when the buffer is I'm – I'm friends with my husband's friend's wife. Yeah. When, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to like solidify that connection because we've, we've done that before. And when I fall off from a friendship, Kim falls off from that friendship. Right. And vice versa. So like, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm there. We still have mutual friends. Um, so, and I, I mean, I talk to them and I hang out with them. Not as often. I mean, they've got families and kids and, you know, school time is busy. Like, I totally get it. So now I'm just kind of in this place where I'm having to (laughs) rebuild my community because 
I don't have family directly right here. Like, no one is going to save me. And that, when I got into the car accident and I'm in the ambulance and they're asking me, is there anyone that you can call? And like oh. fucking crying because I'm like, no, there isn't. I'm I'm separated. Well, wait, 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 wait. I know there's, there's- Before we get there. I know, I know. There's so, so much. <clears throat> there's so many like reasons. <laughs> um, Without getting into super detail from, from what we've, talked about um and from what i remember because i remember uh after the podcast um we talked about like meeting up and things yeah and you were i remember you prefacing like just so you know like we are kind of like trying to work some things out yeah and so there was in it like we've only known each other for like a year basically But unfortunately, like the, I was like right at this point of like, oh, you're kind of manning this ship. Yeah, there's I only have so much capacity for so many things. Yeah. And even now still, like I'm having a hard time, like wrapping my head around, like building a community because there's still so much shit that I have to rebuild from. Mm-hmm. Um, It's like I feel like I'm in college having to start over again. Yeah. And it sucks. <laughs> Sometimes it sucks. Other times it's like, eh, you know, same shit, different day. <laughs> um, so, yes, rebuilding the marriage. There's a lot of reasons why it fell apart. Alcohol was a factor. Narcissistic abuse was a factor. Um, uh, communication breakdown. Um, COVID was a factor. My depression and my anxiety my was a factor. Um and not knowing how to communicate, also having kids, that was also a factor because and being a stay-at-home mom was a factor. Like trying to find ways to make myself happy was a factor. Like it it was there was so much. It was just like a bomb that was like gonna explode and it it did. It finally just Well, I mean, there's so many things that um, it's already hard enough in a quote unquote normal marriage. Yeah. Right. Whatever. um, What do they call it? The atomic. Marriage. I don't know. I think it's an old school term, but it was like basically like. Man, woman, two kids. Yeah. Right. Um. So that dynamic is already difficult enough because of like trying to teach a brand new human being how to be a human being. Yeah. And figuring out are we on the same page as to how we want this human being to yeah. grow up. So like that is already ma- marriages take yeah. work. It was it was really hard. It felt like we were parallel pan- parenting, mm-hmm. but we were married. And I was I was home majority of the time. Like he was always at work. And when he was home, it was difficult to figure out how to co-parent together mm-hmm. and how to communicate, especially when emotions and tensions are already so high. And on top of that, I'm trying to manage my depression and my anxiety, and I don't know how to voice that. And I, I don't know. It was just a very toxic relationship. I mean, we both made a lot of mistakes, and I think therapy. It helped me. I don't think it helped him. I don't think, I think it got to a point where we both knew it was not going to work anymore, but we still tried. 
Well, I think what I was going to say was, so with all of that, right, on top of that, you have like that Truman Show effect because you're so far removed from California Mm -hmm. and you have anchors. Yeah. So like with all of the already difficulties, you then even thinking about separation or divorce, you have like four or five roadblocks that Mm -hmm. you immediately go, fuck, I can't go because of this fuck, I can't go because of this. So like there's more to it. And then survival skills kick in and you're like, well, maybe it's just a rough time. Maybe he's just going through X, Y, Z. And maybe I just need to, you know, hunker down. And so like, yeah, all of that shit. And then when you finally realize like, fuck, safety net's gone. Yeah. I just got to fall. I think a lot of it, what it was too, is a factor that I did not want to give up. I didn't want to feel like I failed the marriage. And that was more that was the hardest part to overcome. Like I can't give up because a marriage is it's so sacred. Yeah. In people's minds. Like you get married and you don't divorce. You try to work it out. You try cuz especially when you have kids. Like there's so much trauma that my kids are going to have because we're no longer together. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there's so much trauma that my kids are going to have if we stay together. Like, we fought so much. Our oldest would wake up in the middle of the night because we were fighting. And he'd say, you guys are so loud. I'm like, well, fuck. We need to, like, we need to not do this. I throw on his little referee shirt. I know. You're like, Mom, Dad, don't fight. Don't fight. Like, oh, oh, that's so fucking heartbreaking. It is. And I'm like, oh, I suck as a parent. Shit. He's right. <laughs> Dude, hearing a little kid tell you, a, you as an adult to stop fighting is it's such it throws you out of I the know. thing and you get that weird like I'm still angry but I'm like well, I, it's not mommy okay mommy and daddy just get loud sometimes I know. And- <laughs> you know what's funny um, the other day he we were cuddling on the couch watching I think we were watching like Harry Potter or something no we were watching Jurassic Park <laughs> they love their dinosaurs still um, he goes mom I'm I just really want you and dad to be married together like again and live in the same house again. And I just flat out told him, like, I know you feel that way, but it's not going to happen. Your dad and I are just not happy together. We fight a lot. Do you remember that? And he was like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, I know that you miss us being together. I know that you miss us being under the same roof, but you have to know that we are much happier apart and we will never forget you or your brother. Like you guys come to our mind first. Anytime we do anything, like you're always going to be with me or your dad. You're never going to be apart from us. You're never going to be forgotten. Like, and because your dad and I broke up, that doesn't mean I'm going to break up with you. Like you're going to be in my life forever. I'm going to like, that's a promise I will never break. Like just trying to reinforce in his mind, like, some relationships are not permanent. Some relationships are. Mm. And because you are my son, you came from my body, it is my job to make sure that you are happy and healthy and you know, like, that you have support. Yeah. How old is he again? He's six. He'll actually be seven next month. Seven. Yeah. It's it's weird to think, like, because your memory gets manipulated as you go on. Yeah. And... From the individuals that I've had on here and people that I've talked to over time, 
most of the time what they remember is as long as the parents end up happy in mm-hmm. the end, what they remember is uh, they just weren't happy together and things are better now. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, like it, it's so difficult to convey to a child yeah. like all like all that comes with that shit. Yeah. Breaking the news to him too is oh, it was really rough. I mean, I think we were we decided to break up, like separate in in April, April or May, but we didn't tell him until June. Oh. So and I was still living in the house. But oh, we were that's in, right. But we were in separate rooms. So he was in the basement and I was I stayed in the same room because the kids' room was like right across the hallway. And since I was home most nights, it just made sense if there mm-hmm. was like, you know, an accident or one of them had a nightmare or got sick, which I've got definitely have been thrown up on in the middle of the night by one of them. <laughs> um, it just made sense for me to be there. Um, but that became a, a problem later on too. Um so, yeah, we ended up telling him and he was sad, but then we kind of like, you're going to have two bedrooms, like you're going to have two Christmases, two birthdays, possibly. I don't know. I, we kind of like, it's exciting. Like, yes, it's sad that we're breaking up, but you won't be forgotten. You're, I'm like, we're going to, he already saw the house that I was moving into. He didn't really understand why I was looking at a house. Oh. Um. But I wanted him to see it to kind of like help ease his mind so he could visualize that way when we did tell him like this is a place that we're going to be living in that this is where my mom is going to live. And when you're with me, this is going to be your room and you get to help decorate it. You get to help pick out your bedding. You get to help like decide what toys are coming from dad's house to mom's house. Like it's exciting. And I think that kind of helped put his mind more at ease, too, so he could visualize like where he was going to be. It wasn't like this unknown, nervous, anxious breakdown in his mind, like a black hole of where is mom going to go? Right, right. Well, I mean, did you do like research into how to break things down for kids or? I, I did a little bit, um, very lightly. Did but... you watch TikTok videos? on? No, that? I, I don't have a TikTok because <laughs> I know as soon as I get one, I'm just going to get sucked into it. Uh... I mean, Instagram is already a problem. So. Let's go back to the before the car accident. So, and when I'm in couples yeah. counseling, so F- right- help me figure out though. Okay, so I think I have my timelines fucked up. So that's okay. When when did the car accident happen? It happened after we separated. Okay, after the separation. So we were in <clears throat> when we were together. I decided to start taking antidepressants because I was having a difficult time managing my emotions. And this, get, this was an interesting conversation that we had. So yeah, you were you were at the shop the other uh, the other day, and um, the way that you viewed medication is, I I I thought about it afterwards, and I actually did almost the same thing when I was eighteen, where in you just need something so that you can figure out how to, uh accumulate tools in order to deal with life yes. as a functioning Yes, being. yes. And that's what I needed because I did not know how to communicate with anybody what was going wrong. Like, what was wrong? I didn't know how to communicate with myself. It was just like one of those things where, like, something's wrong and I don't know what it is. Where is it? 
Like when you lost your keys in your house and you're frantically looking all over the house for it and you can't find them, you're just super frustrated. That's how it felt. I don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm going through, like, I'm feeling touched out. I don't have any time to myself. I'm unhappy in my marriage. My marriage is falling apart. I have all this depression and anxiety. I'm, I don't have a sense of community. I'm worried about what would happen if I do get a divorce because I'm dependent on my spouse. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know what's going to happen with the kids. I have no family. I have hardly, I don't have like friends here. Like there's all this, like I'm catastrophizing. That's Mm. all I'm doing. That's all that I'm doing. And I needed to stop doing that because it was sucking all of my energy. And on top of that, I'm like essentially parenting my kids because my ex was at work so Mm -hmm. much. And I mean, of course, why would he want to be home? Like we essentially like, we don't hate each other, but like we were not getting along. Why would he want to be around me? Why would I want to be around him? I like dreaded when he came home. I would pretend that I was asleep sometimes just because I didn't want to interact with him because I knew it was going to be toxic. I knew it was going to be uncomfortable. I knew we were going to get in a fight and I did not. I, I, I honestly was terrified. Well, when you're when you're dealing with something as um, wildly difficult as that is, <clears throat> the anger from both sides is it's it's so like just ready to ignite at any point. It's so explosive. <clears throat> and from his perspective, I've look what I've built for us. Mm-hmm. Look what I've created. Why why would you have any worries in the world? Like there's all of this. I I, I don't know the guy, so I can't say narcissism or anything (laughs) like that. But like whether he's right or wrong, that thought process is going through that he has created a a place for you to live and giving you kids and blah, 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 blah. But I don't see it that way. I get it. What I'm saying (laughs) is when you have somebody who. You can't change that thought process. Yeah. And then you have somebody on your side who's going through what you're going through. Yeah. When both of you like feel this impending doom as to like, how am I going to yeah. like rationalize us separating? Mm-hmm. And am I able to get there? Right. And on top of that, I'm having to carry the mental load of child rearing and taking care of the house while having a full time job. And dealing with my depression, my anxiety, the falling apart of my marriage and crumbling community and, you know, becoming financially unstable and (laughs) just like all of these layers. So like it was just I and that's why I decided to go to like, honestly, there were days where like I didn't want to get out of bed, but I had to because I needed to take care of the kids. I needed or I needed to go to work. There were days where I would just break down in the car and I honestly like there were times where i just wanted to die like i i that's completely normal because you you try to think of like i when you have nothing to do but you feel like you need to do a lot yeah it's paralyzing yeah like there's no how do okay if i get up the fuck am i gonna do i'm just gonna stare out the window like I only have so much that I can do right in this particular situation. Yeah. And then when you're and they're going to couples therapy, like that wasn't helpful because all 
I didn't feel safe communicating with my partner, my ex, outside of therapy. Mm. So what was happening was when we did go to therapy, I was just trauma dumping. And it Mm. wasn't healthy for him because he wasn't becoming receptive to hearing me. Because anytime I try to react or not react, try to communicate with him outside of therapy, it was very... There, there was just a lot of like strong reactions, mm. abusive reactions that I don't even know he thought they were abusive, but I mean, it was just, it, it just, it was terrifying. So yeah. I'm walking around on eggshells. So when we did go to therapy, I'm just dumping it all out. And that's not healthy because yeah. that's making him not want to work on the marriage. And I'm just shitting on him through those sessions. So I mean, yeah. Why would anyone want to work on it if that's all I'm doing? Well, <laughs> I learned uh, very recently like that partners can turn into people who are gaslighty yep. in a response mm-hmm. to it's like a survival mechanism mm-hmm. because if they feel that their integrity is being threatened, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize the the like. You know, when you're having a conversation with somebody or an argument, whatever, and they go, yep, you're right. I'm the worst. (laughs) It's warranting like the only other response. You're either going to say, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. You are the worst. Or they want you to say, no, no, no. I'm not saying you're the worst. You're just saying the behavior is not. (laughs) But like it's setting up for you having to carry the. um the weight is on you to redeem them, mm-hmm. which is unhealthy. Right. But it's something that like I hear so often or like you hear people talk that way so often that I didn't realize that that type of speech was gaslighting. Yeah. So. So uh, it's it stifles yeah. the relationship. So that was another thing. Like I was terrible about. I was terrible at setting up boundaries. And that was another problem that I had as well because everything revolved around my ex and his schedule. And if, like, when I got a full-time job, that became a problem because it was an inconvenience to him. Because now we had kids, we had to put them in daycare, someone had to get them to and from school and daycare. And that inconvenienced his work schedule because I couldn't do it anymore. So I can't remember where I was going with this train of thought. I, I, I was curious... So I have like a couple of, of questions or like, yeah, I try not to project, but it's hard for me not to. <laughs> um, Dr. Chris. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about like when you were growing up, there's a couple of things that I don't know um, because like, what did your mom do for work? Oh, so this is where when I texted you, I'm like generational cycles. <laughs> My mom is from upstate New York. My dad is originally from Ohio, but moved to California when he was in high school. After school, both of my parents joined the Navy, and they met on Midway Island. My mom got pregnant. She was discharged, and then she ended up staying in, moving to San Diego, and my dad was stationed in Camp Pendleton. Then my dad was discharged, and um, they stayed in California. So now... My mom, tell me if this sounds familiar. <laughs> My mom doesn't have any friends or family in a state that she is completely isolated in and she's raising kids. 
Who does that sound like to you? That's see, that's what I was curious about because we talked so much about your dad's accomplishments. Yeah. And then I was like, we didn't really talk about our mom at all. Oh my god, my parents are in the most toxic relationship too. No, I know. Like anytime they give me relationship advice, I'm like, I'm just gonna whoop. <laughs> not. This is not gonna stick in my brain. I, there was one time where my mom told me she's like, I know that I love your dad more than he loves me, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And they just like. They nitpick at each other. Mm. My dad is very reactive and explosive. My mom is very naggy. They don't know how to communicate. My mom is also depressed. My dad is um, hes also on disability, so I know he's in a lot of pain, too. Like, What's he on disability for? Uh, he's a general contractor. He was actually the reason, one of the reasons why I'm like, sure, X, let's move to Minnesota so you don't have to be a contractor anymore because I've seen what it does to my dad oh. and I don't want that for you. Okay. So let's pick up and move to a different state where there's a better job opportunity for you and you can create something that you've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, man, my journey has like made me dislike men so much. I was going to say- <laughs> That perception of what is acceptable behavior and like your role in this, this, there's so much of, and I feel bad because I remember a point when I was trying to be a stand up, like I was like mm-hmm. grindy, grindy, grindy. Um, at one point, uh, Kim was trying to vent to my mom, mm-hmm. um, and my mom said, You just need to be more supportive of his dreams. And I remember that because I was like, oh, no. no. That's not how a marriage is supposed to work. No. And it but it's so tough to swallow because I have that like with bipolar people we have that like grandiose thinking. Are you bipolar? Yeah. Oh. Girl. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I hide it pretty well. Um are you on meds? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, are you gonna like throw something? At my face? I'm met up. <laughs> um, but like that whole, and yeah. that's what we were talking about before yeah. was the how medication fucking sucks because yeah. it's this long, grueling journey until you find out God. what actually works. Yeah. But, so, but what I was saying was okay before I forget it. Did. Okay. Is that the concept of the role of the woman needing to be there because even if you're not doing anything, we glorify this whole like the the pillar of the house. She's the whatever. But also she's the maid. She's the cook. She's the like these diminutive yeah. roles. But we also are saying, but but you're important. It's like when we fucking said McDonald's workers were uh, essential workers. Yeah, essential workers. <laughs> like, okay. You're saying they're essential, but also we're still treating them like shit. Yeah, they get paid minimum wage, so yeah. how are they essential? Exactly. <laughs> so, like, with that whole thing, like, I've been through a lot of shit, so I'm yeah. I'm lucky that I get to go, oh, this is what you were doing wrong. Yeah. And so, but not everybody, most of the time when people go through some bullshit, mm-hmm. the relationship ends, or mm-hmm. this job, like, the thing just ends and then they go and do the next thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that scenario just doesn't come up again. So they don't really like get the chance to or 
I don't know if getting the chance is the right word because I don't know that people would look at my situation and be like, I wish I had the chance to go to treatment and like all of this bullshit. But like to wrap it up, like not everybody gets to see that perspective and have a support group at the same time. Yeah. So because I had, I have such a solid support group. Yeah. They were able to catch me and allow me to look back and go, oh, that was a wrong thing. But you're also receptive to. I don't think that I would be if I if if I didn't have those people. Exactly. But the thing is, the difference is my ex, if his friends came to him, I don't think that he would introspectively like take a second look. I see what you're saying. If it came from me, he definitely wouldn't. He'd be more defensive. Right. If it came from his brother, same thing. I, I think he'd become more defensive. Even his mom. I think there's a select few people where he would be like, oh, he would like stop. But because he's so distanced from those people, they're all the way out in California. Mm. I think it's harder for him to open up and be like, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I think he also has a lot of, I know he's going to therapy. At least that's what he's told me. But I think he's like doing some work, which is great. I'm happy for him. I don't hate him. No, I, I get it. The guy I just don't want. To I'm not accusing you of hating. No, I just don't want to be with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to have this, and I, I've I've questioned people who separate and uh, co-parent mm-hmm. because it's it's such a distant. It's that like for everything that I'm able to wrap my head around, that one is super fucking difficult for me to wrap my head around because I'm such a wildly jealous human being Mm -hmm. i can't i'm it's it's such a disconnect from for me to imagine kim being happy with somebody else which i know is not healthy but like i just i can't so to me like it's I, i get why people have to figure out a way to um um, redeem, find mm-hmm. redeeming qualities of a former partner because yeah. this person is going to be involved in in their life to some degree. Yeah, for a long time. So I I think that was a thing for a while for me too. Like I, because I'm fixed, I can't have any more babies. <gasps> Congrats! He, thanks. <laughs> that was because I had such a hard time um, carrying the mental load of the house, the kids you know, being support 24-7 and feeling touched out. Did you I, deal with, like, PPD at all? Yeah, I did. It was undiagnosed. But, I mean, now that I'm, I have help and I see my therapist, she's like, oh, yeah, you definitely have. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> On top of that, there was something else. Um, Oh, it was during COVID, too. So I had no oh, support. Oh, fuck, yeah. And my ex is, like, he would... He would get up in the morning and then get ready for work and leave. So I was left to do, like, the first morning nursing session while trying to make sure my oldest was getting fed and was ready for distant learning school, having to do that. On top of that, my youngest never wanted to lay down while he was sleeping. I needed to go, you know, do the grocery shopping, clean the house, do the laundry. And I wanted to fall apart it was the mornings were the hardest and I think at one point I'm like I need your help and it just felt like it was an inconvenience to him to like 
wait an extra 15 minutes and help me with the kids. That sucked. Um, There were a lot of signs where, like, I just wish he was capable of seeing how hard it was for me and being more supportive. He will say that he was supportive. And I believe that he thinks he was. But physically, he was not. Mm-hmm. Physically, I- like his body reactions, his size, everything. I can read him like a book. Like mm-hmm. there's something about like what someone says they'll do versus what like they actually do mm-hmm. or how they do it. Okay. Yeah. I think when when someone makes something look so easy or when it when certain tasks have been handled for so long, mm-hmm. uh when that individual asks for help or points out how much they're doing, mm-hmm. I think the other person typically is like, I didn't even realize it was a problem. What's wrong with it now? Yeah. Why is it hard now? Then, and depending on where you diverge yeah. from there, if you say, why is it hard now? And it you're like already almost like confirmation bias. You're like looking for the answer so that you can go, oh, well, then just do this or don't, you know, don't worry about it until this time. Yeah, they're they're more concentrated on trying to fix the problem for you than actually like helping you getting getting the hands dirty. Yeah. And it's like, I understand that it's so easy for you right now. But for me, it's like a mental load and I need help coming like getting some of it off. Yeah. And it would be helpful if you could make breakfast or let me take a shower. Or <laughs> I don't I don't know, like just hang out for 15 minutes so I don't feel like you're trying to like leave. And so I feel a little bit like more comfortable and settled because mm-hmm. the kids are rowdy. I got one crying. I, you know, my tits are leaking everywhere. <laughs> like <laughs> it sucks. Um, yeah. Or just, you know, someone to talk to like a lot of that would ease. And the fact that he's questioning it or begrudgingly doing those tasks makes me feel like I can't come to him for help. Yeah. Well, and that's a that's an unfortunate like um, I don't know the word happenstance mm-hmm. <laughs> um, byproduct of that situation is that. The other person doesn't realize that by trying to make it seem like not a big deal, yeah. what I, I feel like most of the time happens is, oh, they don't appreciate what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. To the individual that they're talking to by trying mm-hmm. to say, oh, who fucking cares? Yeah. You're saying like, oh, so all of the things that I've been doing right. don't matter. Right. Oh, what were you talking about? Oh, we were talking about getting fixed. Yes. So, so I'm, you got your balls chopped off. Yes, yeah, so I got my balls chopped off. I don't think he's done it. So he that, still has balls. Yeah, he still got his balls. <laughs> um, so that was another thing. Like, if he gets into another relationship, he could have more kids, and then my kids would have siblings, mm-hmm. and that freaked me out. Oh, oh, I got you. Okay, like that was another thing. Like, I don't want to leave. Back because... to the the like whole trying to imagine. Yeah, yeah him gotcha. being happy with like. Him being happy with someone else. But now I'm like, eh, do what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't care. Be happy. Spread your wild oats <laughs> if you want to. I want you to be happy. I want you to leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> More than anything. <laughs> yeah, that that whole thing is is always puzzled me. And 
the Midwest has this weird relationship thing too, where like somehow these separated families will do shit together. Oh yeah. That blows me away. Yeah, I don't think we're at that point. His <laughs> brother hates my guts. Like, I'm not invited to birthday parties or any joint holiday things. Right. So, um, I mean, I, I, his, I still have somewhat of a relationship with his mom. Like, we did a picnic um, before it snowed. <laughs> I was gonna say winter picnic. No, not a winter picnic. It was. I can't remember when it was, but it was before it snowed. And like, if I run into her, we're friendly and cordial. Like. I have no problem with his family, and if they ever needed like my help for anything, I would be there for them in a heartbeat. I don't think it's the same. I think that they would be there for me if I asked for help, but because of the circumstances and, I guess, bearing shame and not mm. wanting to be a pariah or like be talked about or gossiped about, I wouldn't go to them. If yeah. I needed something. Um, oh, that's that whole passive aggressive nature of, yeah. especially this state, like, yeah, they'll help you out, but we're going to talk about it. Afterwards. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to be <laughs> talked about. I mean, it's the same thing with my parents. Like, I don't really tell them stuff because I don't want my, the rest of my family knowing. <laughs> I think there was even one time where I told my mother-in-law that I had gestational diabetes and I was kind of like it was my first baby so I was a little bit like pissed off about it and then sure. like we had a kiss Christmas gathering and then like next thing I know people were like you shouldn't be eating that I'm like why like because aren't you diabetic I'm like how do you know <laughs> what <laughs> so now I'm like I don't tell anybody really anything unless they're like some dark secret stranger that like has no ties yeah so I'm very um well, I guess, and then there's you on the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, the, this space is built to, because really, like, what we're talking about yeah. is, for me, like, this particular type of conversation yeah. is to say, um, when you think that things are perfect mm -hmm. or, like, that there's no issues, yeah, just check in. Yeah. See, see if things really are going as well as you think they are. But you, going back to what we just talked about too. But you have to like have a safe person as well because I'm saying like for so my my job yeah in the conversation yeah because primarily it's the male that's like oblivious to whatever's going on. I mean, there's times where I'm oblivious too. I know. I'm saying like <laughs> society currently because there's still women who, <laughs> um, like, not to get. I, I'm gonna say this without saying who it is, but two individuals that are a part of my life were talking about being talked to in a very inappropriate way at work, mm -hmm. and them kind of going back and forth on like, oh, well, this has happened and that's happened, and like. The concept of if you think that's bad, I went through this and that women, that's like, it's just a part of life. Right. And I mean, not to get like super deep, but like goes back to like rape culture and stuff is there were also women who had been so traumatized that they look at their daughters and go, this is just how it is. Yeah. Like bury it deep. So from the male perspective. 
when you think that things are good, I say check in because a lot of the time, back to that whole, the wife is like the pillar of the household thing. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. Like we think that it's this, we're giving them this super good title. Yeah. But really what you're saying is when I can't handle anything, you're the one that takes care of the entire family. Right. So does that make more sense? Yeah, it does. But that, you know, that kind of opens up like an interesting topic. Women are the pillar of the family. Grab this and push it a little closer to you. Sorry. Thank you. We, women are the pillar of the family, but at the same time, like growing up, I was being sexualized at a very young age, mm-hmm. even in elementary school. Why are we treating the pillar of the family like a sexual commodity? Yeah, not only is she the pillar of the family, but look at her body. Yeah, she's like, killing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put her in a house and make her make me a sandwich <laughs> while taking care of the kids. She's so hot. <laughs> I heard the greatest, not to like detract super hard, but the greatest comeback. There's this online gamer girl, and this hundred percent incel uh, was mad. It was like, shut up, you stupid bitch. Why don't you, you're 35. Why don't you go in the kitchen and make a sandwich? And she goes, <sighs> she goes, I'm going to fuck your dad and give him a child that he actually loves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Beautiful. Dating has not been kind to me. <laughs> so many stories in my brief time. Well. But let's, um, let's get to the car accident first before we get there. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I start taking the medication um, and I didn't tell him because I was terrified he would see that as a a fault, mm. like, oh, a, like yeah. a flaw, like you're so broken that you have to take medication or or be it be used against me. Like, yes, you're not on your meds. You're fucking crazy. Like I I finally told him in therapy, but I made it clear to him this is just to get me out of bed, to give me the strength to carry the mental load, to to like do the dishes, do the laundry, or like take care of the kids, go to work, like manage my emotions. This is not at all going to fix our marriage. This is just helping me manage my day to day. And then, oh God, taking the meds. I was on Lexapro. I was just gonna ask which it was. Yeah, I was on the very like the the lowest, the ten milligrams of Lexapro. Ten mg's. Ten mg's, and I liked it. It helped. The first month, I felt like I I've never done crack, but it felt like I'd imagine crack would feel like. It just I felt happy all the time. Mm-hmm. I felt jittery. I could just feel like my brain like all these things connect and like, oh my God. And then like, I, you know, obviously you start mellowing out and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't bored or anything. It was like, oh, okay, I still feel like really good and really happy. We still fought. I was, and when we did fight, I was still able to manage my emotions and not react, kind of like take a step back and be like, okay, what is he saying? And not just emotionally react and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was better, but it wasn't I still wasn't happy and our mm. marriage still wasn't getting fixed because there's a lot of work that he needs to do and I just felt like he was just done. Sure, checked out. Yeah, he was checked out. I don't think that he was and it maybe 
maybe it was different for him, but from what I've seen in the conversations I've had from him in our sessions in therapy, like it just felt like he was it it was just like a stalemate. It was a stalemate. Well, I mean it's hard to get to a point of like because when you when you're talking about taking a step back, that whole like which arguments are actually about me mm-hmm. and which arguments are about something that you're going through. Right. And how do we figure out where that that thing is? Mm-hmm. Cause I've I mean I've definitely we've definitely had that where I'm getting yelled at and I'm like, this isn't I know this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. How am I gonna find and then but it take like the commitment that it takes on both parties is but donkers, man. Yeah. It's so much more difficult than people realize. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to hear that you've hurt your partner. It's hard to hear that you've done something that has affected someone else or like what like you made a mistake. And it's hard to admit that. So you have to look at it and be like, you're hurting right now. Something I did hurt you. And if you really care for that person, you need to like introspectively look and be like, I can see how this hurt you. I am so sorry that you feel this way. Because it's not about you as a person. It's just what you did. You need to separate the action. Sometimes from it's not even what you, you did though. Yeah. Like sometimes it's just like they're the only outlet that they have yeah. is you. Mm-hmm. And because they don't know how to talk about what's going on with them yeah. emotionally, it just comes out as you know what I'm mad about? Did you did you leave the light on in the garage? What the fuck? Yeah. And then it just snowballs from there. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's sometimes it's just about how how they um how they felt and it really wasn't like anything that you did. But yeah, you're right. It could be about, you know, not flushing the toilet or I mean But I mean I, I more mean that in the sense of like Kim had an issue. I know I keep okay, I explain these things. I have Loads of issues. Go listen to every episode. My issues compared to Kim's issues. Not even close. So when I bring her up, I like I just don't want it to seem like she's just she lives with me. So she's yeah. my example. Yeah. <laughs> um I, she, know, I still haven't met her when I hang out with her. Oh, you didn't meet her yet? I, I think I have met her the first time I was here, but like we wouldn't haven't like oh, okay, had a okay. conversation. It was just like, hey. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, you gotta come over again. Okay. Um, but um she because I'm so extroverted and bipolary, it's very you are? <laughs> I can't tell. I it's very, tell very easy for me to make friends. Yeah. And she ha- felt as though she had no friends. Right. And so there was one night that we got into like this really intense argument. And when she doesn't know how to like find what's really like going on with her like what's genuinely bothering her it comes out as i'm not happy i haven't been happy for a while Mm. and that in itself is like kind of a gaslighty thing but and i only say that because it's been used before so it's it's not i don't know it's hard to describe yeah no what it really is she's feeling overwhelmed yes exactly and so that's the 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 um catalyst for me to or cue that's my cue to go okay so what's going on 
Mm-hmm. What is it that's m- making you not happy? And then we'll go through things and I'll go, well, but it hasn't, this, that thing hasn't been happening for a while. What else is going on? And then like, just that, like digging your heels in and having to go, uh, you're going to be berating me for a while, but we're going to figure out what the fuck is going on. <laughs> yeah, you got to take it. <laughs> and then once you figure out that thing, that's like, oh, you feel alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm out every, you know, like three nights a week mm-hmm. surrounded by people, making people laugh, doing all of this shit that yeah. makes it seem like I just, yeah. like I'm Gaston yeah. from Beauty and the Beast yes. and everyone just fucking loves me. Except for you don't have antlers anywhere in your house. I don't have antlers you anywhere. Need to get, you need to get a chandelier for this, <laughs> specifically for this room. <laughs> that would be kind of rad. Um, but that, like the, so the example being like this thing how do you get to that point of like how I'm willing to let you just verbally beat the shit out of me because yeah. I know there's this nougat, nougat center that mm-hmm. I want to get to. That's why I feel like therapy has helped me find the words to express and communicate how I'm feeling to really like take time and search like what is wrong with me? What do I need? Um, there was something that resonated with me, like you're a more extroverted and Kim is more introverted. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, more sociable, you're going out. Very reflective of my relationship as well. He's more extroverted. He goes out a lot. I'm more introverted. I don't go out a lot. Um, and with that, like needing more time with him. And I have expressed that so much with him. And it got to a point where he no longer wanted to do that with me, whether he actually, even though he said otherwise. And um, I remember like breaking down, crying in a restaurant, just saying like, I, I want you. I want more time with you. And him just not even blinking. And then like later that week saying that he was picking more, <laughs> more hours at work. Um, and I'm like, that is the exact opposite of what I want. And he's like, well, sometimes we don't always get what we want. And I'm like, <laughs> cool <laughs> um so but i mean at the same time like why would he want to spend any time with me i'm depressed i complain um i didn't know how to communicate or vocalize like what was going wrong with me i think i hurt him in certain ways badly he's hurt me in certain ways badly and there was just- well but how do you get a reaction from someone when that that's the thing that like why i was saying that whole kim will say i'm not happy i haven't been happy for a while yeah I've missed something so much yeah. that she has to go to an extreme yeah. to get me to fucking yeah. look at what's going on. Right. And so I would imagine in your arsenal, you mm-hmm. have to go, I'm okay, I'm doing like step by step things, but it's not working. I do know what might make him upset or get him to like flip that you know what I mean? Not not that you're trying to piss him off. Right. But where he's gonna turn and have to have a conversation with you right if you say a certain thing does that make sense but the thing is the difference between you and him is that in in response like if i did something to piss him off to get his attention to actually like listen to me and like hear me out he would in turn just react gaslight me Mm. um or it was never a good enough it was never a good time to communicate with him because he was probably drunk as well Oh, the worst. Yeah. So, um 
I realized why, not to cut you off, but like when people say like let loose, like have a drink and let loose and blah, blah, blah. It fucks with an inhibitor, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be your common sense. Mm-hmm. It's not that this whole like people are like you're only honest when you're drunk and you're only. No, no. Like speaking. Oh, I just have you seen Glass Onion? Yes. OK, <laughs> so when the detective is like people mistake speaking the truth or um, speaking without thought for speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what alcohol does yeah. like it's speaking without that checkpoint to go ah you know i'm pretty sure that the holocaust was a real thing maybe we shouldn't divulge this weird theory that we have about them all you know moving to africa that's a thing no it's not <laughs> but that's what i'm saying like yeah. it sounds that insane yeah yeah. Or certain things can sound that insane. And you're th- in your drunken brain, yeah. you're like, you guys yeah. just can't handle yeah. the fucking truth. Right. And because of that, I could not communicate with him. Um, I wasn't getting any sleep um, because of it, because I'm carrying all the stress in my body. You know, adding to my depression, adding to my anxiety, I felt like I was avoiding certain things with him because I didn't want a a bad reaction or have like another blow up fight and that's why when we did go to therapy I was more like just dumping these are all my these are all my issues for the week <laughs> and it was just it, because it, if he runs out the door that's a, he's admitting defeat yeah because you, so it's you, like forcing him to listen <laughs> to me right <laughs> Um, That's not healthy. I don't want to force someone to listen to me. Yeah, but I mean, for the listeners, if you haven't gone through something like this, imagine knowing that you're going to wake up with a hangover every morning. (laughs) Like the dread that you would feel every single morning or every single night, it eventually just turns into the whole day. I don't even I don't even know if he would wake up with a hangover. I mean, sometimes. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm saying from your perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, him coming home from work and just like dreading like he's going to pick an argument and I would pretend to be asleep sometimes or like sometimes he would call me and I'm like, are you pretending to be asleep? (laughs) And I'm like, yes. What is it that you need? And then the fight would like break out and like, you know, his like his complexion is red. His handshake. He's having some health issues because of his alcohol abuse. Mm. Um, he'd go to work and he'd like carry around a can of Coke. It's not just Coke in there. There's whiskey in it too. Well, yeah. Because he's hiding his alcohol issues. Well, because beer doesn't get me drunk, and I can do my job drunk <laughs> just fine. <laughs> right. Not like I'm speaking from experience or anything. Mm. Yeah, like we would, we used to get um, boxed wine. We would, he would always buy four because there's always a sale. Like buy three, get one free or whatever. Mm. There's six bottles of wine in that box. He'd go through. That's how many are in there. I think it's like four to six. Holy shit! Yeah, he would go through that in one box in less than a week, and I'd maybe have one glass out of it. Yeah. That was when Kim started to realize that I had an issue mm-hmm. was that like we would buy stuff and I would be like, OK, we have this going on. So we're going to rip through this many for sure. So we should get X amount. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 
And then, so we would like prep for whatever the fuck was going on. And half of it would be gone before the thing even happened. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'll, I'll just go to the liquor store again. It's fine. Yeah. I didn't realize he had an alcohol problem until I was pregnant with our first kid. We do have to say allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. And he went to therapy for it. And even after we moved out here, he went to therapy for it again. And then it just, I think after COVID and, you know, his stressors with work and his stressors of the crumbling marriage and me and this giant factor that he sees is just creating all of these problems. He's just coming home and he's using alcohol as a coping mechanism between like dealing with his issues and me Mm. and I can't talk to him. And the only time I can talk to him is at night when he comes home from work. And now I can't talk to him because he's allegedly drunk. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to put one of those. um, What what is it? Um, The opinions and views of the individuals (laughs) on the, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. Did it expressively reflect the Fox News Network? Right. <laughs> yes, I'm Fox News Network. And lies. <laughs> Fake news. Um, Fake news over here. Okay. So. Okay. So let's let's try and chronicleize this. So we're in therapy. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not going well because I'm depressed and he's allegedly an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> so communication is just bound to fall apart. Right. There's all these issues that we've talked about. Then we separate mm. um and i'm still on lexapro then i get in so i have all this freedom um i'm starting to i like i i haven't even gone on a date yet but i was starting to talk to this one guy and like that kind of became a thing like my ex was very upset because I'm living under the same, which, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. living under the same roof and I'm start like talking to a different guy. What do they call it? Emotionally cheating? Yeah. And he's like, we're still married. And I'm like, but we're separated. We're not like, we're not getting back together. So, right. and I am super needy of someone else to think that I not again not healthy well, but, I need someone else to think that I'm a hot piece of ass <laughs> and that I can trauma dump on okay <laughs> well it's all it, all it all goes back to affirmation of worth yes yes I need someone to make me feel like not like shit not like I have been feeling for the past I don't know year because we've been going through marital issues for probably even longer than a year. When you walk into a room or when somebody walks into a room and sees you, they shouldn't feel anxiety. Yeah. And you've been feeling that for so long yeah. that like what does it what's what if what if somebody doesn't know my past and we get to start over yeah. and hi, I'm Steven. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jessica. What's your name again? <laughs> um but yeah, that that whole fresh start thing. Yeah. It's I wanted to know what it's like to enjoy someone else's company from the opposite sex and them to f- have that feeling reciprocated. Yes. So, that was a whole issue. I'm cheating. I'm, you know, hurting his feelings that I could move on so quickly, but at the same time I was essentially just mourning. 
the marriage yeah. for so long already, but at the same time trying to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I was so not that, I, and I was still heartbroken over like you know it failing, but I needed to like have something else. Yeah. Um. So then I'm out with some girlfriends, and because of the stress of you know still living under the same roof with my alleged alcoholic <laughs> ex <laughs> who would come home every almost every night and pick a fight with me even though we're sleeping in separate rooms mm. and um not feeling safe in my home environment not still having depression and anxiety being on the meds you know with the meds you can't drink that much i, I like that you're saying that much <laughs> it's supposed to be not yeah, at all, but you can't. Okay, yeah, you can't at all. Yeah, it's supposed to be not. Um, and I went out to Art of World with oh, okay. a couple of coworkers, and we ended up going to Tattersall, and and then I dropped one friend off at her house, and then on my way back home, I stopped off at McDonald's because I realized like I hadn't eaten that much, and like so I have all this like sugary stuff in my body. Oh, okay. And on top of that, I'm on you know, Lexapro and I'm driving late at night and I'm dealing still with like, I'm going back home to a hostile environment. It's toxic. It's adding to my depression and my anxiety. Then I start feeling nauseous in the car and I'm like, I'm going to pull over because I don't want to throw up in my car. So I'm trying to pull over on the highway. Next thing I know, I wake up and I'm in the car still. But I don't air black. I'm like very confused because I'm like, I'm in the car and the airbags are out. That's interesting. And then I hear people outside the car calling 911 and then shouting at me, asking me if there's kids in the car because I have the car seats. There's no oh, kids. It's oh. just it's just me in the car. No one else is in the car. And um, I'm like. Uh, there's smoke in the car. There's like fumes everywhere. So I'm trying to find my phone and I I can't find it anywhere. I unbuckle myself. And that's when I realize the car is on its side or it's upside down. I'm not quite sure. So I fall back into the car. So the driver's side's up here on the side. Oh, you were. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm up and I unbuckle and then I fall down into the passenger side. I'm like, well, shit, (laughs) I'm not going to find my phone in here. (laughs) So then the, um, these strangers, not even first responders are there yet. They finally pry open the door and they're like reaching their hands down to me and I'm like trying to climb my way out. Mind you, I have no idea what happened. I just woke up. It was like waking wow. up for a nap like, oh, hello. There's okay, I guess I'll go out that way. And then I get out of the car and then I'm like, oh, I got into a car accident and then I'm on, I feel nauseous. I still feel like I'm going to throw up. Like Mm -hmm. I feel completely sick and I don't know if it's from the shock of it or if it's still like just the anxiety and the stress and whatever. And then finally the cops show up and there's all these people still around, like asking me if I'm okay. And I'm like asking, did I hit anybody? Did I hurt anybody? And they're like, no. And they tell me what happened was they watched me try to merge off the highway into like, the the margin to like park oh okay because that's what i was trying to do and they said that the car just kept going and then i hit the grass and then i miss a freeway sign and i miss a lamp and then i hit a fence and the car rolled and then i landed on its side i don't remember any of this Wow. i had no fucking idea what happened 
And then the cops show up and they're like, just sit in the car. And I'm like, I'm going to throw up. And they're like, okay. They gave me a vomit bag. And they're like, do you want to go to the hospital? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm walking around. I'm not bleeding anywhere. I'm, I'm completely fine. I just want to throw up. And they're like doing the eye test to make sure I'm not drunk. And they're like, well, there might be some like trauma. So we want you to sit in the ambulance. And I sit in the ambulance. And they're like, well, because you feel sick and there might be some head trauma. Oh, sure. They're like, we don't know why you passed out. So they're doing heart scans on me in the ambulance. And they're finally like, no, we got to take you to the hospital. We don't know what's wrong with you. And we don't know. You're not capable of driving because your car is fucking totaled. I'm like, well, yeah, true. (laughs) I don't know. I don't. I didn't know where I was on the highway. I didn't know how to get home. So the the really sweet ambulance guy, God, he must have been like 19 or something. He's like half my age. He's like holding my hand. And I'm like sobbing and crying. He's like, because, you know, he just asked me if there was anybody that I could call. And I'm like, no, <laughs> because I was just literally separated from my ex. And I'm realizing I have no one that I can rely on. I have no one that I can call. I don't have an emergency contact anymore if something happened to me. Even now, if I slipped and fell in the shower, no one's going to find my body for days. Like, unless the house starts stinking. Or unless it's my turn, like, my custody turn with the kids. You got to get the fucking the sticky thing. Fun. Oh, that too. <laughs> the, the life alert Alexa. Yeah. I think actually it's set up like where she doesn't hear my voice after a few days. Like, she hears everything. She hears everything. She's, <laughs> she'll call a friend. I think I have to look into that or something. Oh, interesting. There's something like that where she's like, are you alive? But, but get the, the, the sticky thing for your bathroom. The sticky thing? You lay it down in the shower. It's what oh, old people oh, get. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to slip in the shower. I think it's. I think it already has that like built into the structure of the bathtub. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's already, yeah, it's like a more like the the grip tape on a skateboard. Yeah, it's like a sandier like yeah 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 enamel yep. or something on the bottom of the tub so you don't slip. I know what you mean. Like that. I don't know. Anyway, so they're finally like, okay, we're gonna take you to the hospital. They do CT scans. I don't have any broken bones. I don't have any like ruptured organs. There's no internal bleeding. They're checking my head. There's no, like, head trauma, but finding out that I'm, like, later that week after I leave the hospital, this is, well, first we'll get to leaving the hospital, um, and they're like, we're probably going to take away your license. You shouldn't drive. And I'm like, oh, shit. Because they're like, we don't know what happened to you. We don't oh. know. We don't, they, they're doing all these, like, blood tests on me. There's literally nothing wrong with me. They're like, you don't have diabetes. You don't, you're not drunk. You're not on drugs. Your heart's fine. There's nothing wrong with your body. Like, why the fuck did you pass out? I don't know. Weird. (laughs) And talking to my therapist and my normal physician, because I had to get cleared to drive, they're like, "Mm, it's because of all everything that you're going through. You're going through a divorce. You're having like your your life is on Uh... fire (laughs) and your body is reacting. How far were you from home? I was Probably 30, 40 miles away. I was all the way in St. Paul. I lived, I live in Elk River. Okay. Okay. Got it. I was trying to figure out like how long you were driving for before all this shit happened. Oh, but yeah. I so, got you now. Yeah. So I guess that day I went to work and then my friends and I went to, cause Ardwell was like not too far from where I worked in St. Paul. Mm. And then um, but, I dropped my friend off and she lives in South Minneapolis. And so I was driving back home from South Minneapolis back to Elk River. 
And I don't know where I was between there. But then when I got to the car accident, they took me instead of going, cause I guess I was closer to the cities. Okay. Because they wanted to take me to um, Hennepin. Mm. And I'm like, no, take me to Mercy because it's closer to where I live. And they're like, okay. So they took me to Mercy. And then when I was finally discharged, I just called an Uber back home. And because who who's gonna who am I gonna call at three a.m. in the morning to take me home from the hospital? <laughs> Not my ex. He's home with the kids. I don't have any family, and my friends are all sleeping, and they've got probably work the night. I don't know. I think it was on a Friday. But like you know, I don't want to disturb them. I don't want to be an inconvenience to anybody or a burden. I can just call an Uber. So I did that. Um, had to get checked out to and cleared to drive again. Um, and they said I was fine, although I was kind of very, a little traumatized by it. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know if I'm going to pass. No one knows why I passed Exactly. Out. Yeah. I was going to say that unknown is fucking yeah. awful. So dude. then I was just very careful of like what I eat and what I drank, made sure I was hydrated and make sure I had food in my stomach and I didn't feel like woozy. But then because I got into the car accident, I'm starting to realize like I am losing words I would know like if I try to talk to you there were certain words where I knew the meaning of the word I wanted to say but I couldn't come up with the word that happens to me all the time (laughs) but imagine this happening several times in one sentence oh okay it was it was bad so then I had to go get um, an EEG scan, and they're like, well. What is that? It's They put all these monitors on your head to, like, measure your brain waves. Ooh. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And um, they're like, yeah, you've got a concussion. I'm like, well, that makes sense. So then it took a while for my head to recover from that. And they did. I ended up getting an MRI later, too, and everything was fine. So the effects of stress and anxiety and depression mixed with your meds and not eating and taking care of yourself and not staying hydrated, it'll fuck you up. (laughs) Well, I mean, were you doing Lexpro in the morning, at Mm -hmm. night? You were doing it in the morning? I was doing it in the morning. Because normally it causes drowsiness and it's like the first half of the day. Normally kind of like... I don't... Put you in a fog. Oh, my God. Do you need just, coffee? Just thinking about it is making me... I'm going to grab my, my Mountain Dew. Oh. So, panic attacks yeah. commonly cause blackouts. Yeah. So, that's why I was curious as to, like, how quickly those thoughts of anxiety and catastrophizing culminated in what I would assume would be a panic attack mm-hmm. that took you out. You know what's funny? I wasn't even thinking about any of that stuff on my way home. I just felt I like I thought you were. I I think that or I that felt was it, just in the back of your head. Yeah, I think I felt it in my body, but I wasn't necessary. I was just more of thinking about like getting home. Um, I think subconsciously your brain goes, "I got to get home. Who's home? Mm-hmm. Is it my home? It's not really my home. Exactly. That fucking guy's gonna be there." <laughs> What am I going to do tomorrow? I got to do all this shit and yeah. then wait for him to come home so that we can fight. And then I pretend to, you, I, I'm going to have to start roofing myself so I don't have to talk to him. Anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your brain does this this dance yeah. without even realizing. I, I, I have yeah. a few friends who uh, get sick quite often. Yeah. And you're like, 
Are you sick? Or are you just not dealing with your anxiety? Yeah, there's there's all these different effects of not taking care of your mental health because mm-hmm. it affects your body. It also affects your constant fight or flight. Yeah. So now I'm in the after effects of living in constant fight or flight for the past year and a half where now if there is like if something bad happens i'm like well same shit different day like i have no motivation to fix that problem because i'm so used to like having to deal with fixing shit right with having to move and take care of things where i'm just like i can wait really it's like an emergency it needs to be taken care of yeah i'm i'm more much more of a procrastinator i'm i'm working on it and this is where both you and my therapist are like, you need to go back on your meds. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so you were saying that it do- it didn't cause drowsiness for you. No, it didn't. I don't see how the meds could have. I I don't know. Either. Taken you out there. I that's why I think I think it was more so the your body's because uh, what is it your amygdala gets affected. So back to that whole like when you're when you're drunk your amygdala basically gets shut off, mm-hmm. which helps you not say dumb shit mm-hmm. um it's your uh what do they call it there's another your it's like your carefree blocker your filter yeah <laughs> if all of your shit is getting like set off that constantly yeah and your brain is like how do we protect ourselves from entering into this hostile environment it's just fucking shut down yeah and, While I'm driving a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, y- your brain doesn't always take into account what's going on immediately around yeah. you, and yeah. it just takes you out anyways. Yeah, they called it something. It was like um, a general term for, um, yeah, essentially like a panic attack. It was like something syncophy. Oh, uh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, God but damn that's it. what they wrote in the paperwork. They're like, okay. it's just general syncope, like where you feel nauseous and you have a panic attack and your body shuts down. I'm like, but they're like, other than that, like this is our, they told me like, this is our best guess. There's nothing wrong with you. I was going to say, they, they put that down for like, I don't know, for a lot of, I don't know. Yeah. Because Kim had something that happened to her. It not, but not panic attack or anxiety related. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, ectosyncope or whatever. Ectosyncope? <laughs> maybe, yeah. Something like that. Some... Ectoplasm, maybe? <laughs> Ectoplasm. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? <laughs> I just um... need an exorcism. That's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, your your brain tries to figure out how to protect you yeah. from, because if that shit is firing off too much, then yeah. your brain is like, what? The... Yeah. Something is drastically wrong. Exactly. So my... Anxiety is subconsciously spiking the closer I get to home. I'm feeling nauseous and my and I'm getting tunnel vision. I'm sweating. Mm-hmm. And my body is like, I know what you need right now. You need some sleep. Let's shut it down. <laughs> it's more so the because I don't think that our brains like have evolved to like because in the wild, no cheat is like, I'm fucking depressed. <laughs> But actually, that's not true. Oh, well, in zoos, if they're in captivity, they start yeah, they to give exi- them like golden retrievers or something. <laughs> they give them dogs. Yeah, so they yeah, but in like in the wild, wild. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're always scared that hyenas are going to come and eat their babies. Yeah, so like 
it's but it's it's more so the they have that high alert thing. Mm-hmm. It's so it's not necessarily like like a cheetah isn't sitting around catastrophizing. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? Whereas so with our brains, the amount of you can have anxiety from social media, you can have anxiety from your job. All of yeah. these things that are not occurring in the wild. Mm-hmm. So our brain is like, what the fuck do we do with the what? These are like yeah. theoretical things. Right. I guess just quit. Can, yeah. we, can we restart the computer? Right. And so, I mean, that's from what I gather and, and the conversations that I've had is like, yeah, your brain basically just goes, look, we don't know how to deal with this shit. If we shut down, then maybe the threat will be gone by the time we start back up. Yeah, that's true. But for me, it's like that threat wasn't going to go away overnight. Right. It was something that I needed to work through. So then, um, yeah, so the car accident was a thing. That sucked. Having to recover from that. So that's, that's when you contacted me. And so this is what I'm interested in. So it was like, was it right after? I it was like fi- it was like maybe like five days after the accident. Yeah, I remember talking to you, and you were like, "I'm ready to." So this is what I'm curious about because I remember ba- to the something to the effect of, yeah. "I'm ready to start talking about all of the things that I'm going." Yeah, through. Yeah, I think you came to my mind because I'm like, I'm having like I'm going through shit right now, and then I I was still going through shit. Well, but I mean, so after that accident, did something switch for you to go, I need to start looking at what's going on and dealing with them or? Yeah, I I needed a new therapist. I couldn't see my couple of counselor therapists, but like I was, I I was in this marriage for, I mean, we were together for 10 years, Um, married for for nine, technically nine, but really eight because we separated before. Or semantics <laughs> semantics um but yeah and i'm just realizing that i'm i'm dealing with anxiety depression imposter syndrome and now like a constant like fight or flight trying to calm myself back down procrastination um dealing with relationship trauma as well like not trusting men like Shortly after I moved into my own place, I went on a date and I was sexually assaulted in my own home. <laughs> what the fuck? I know. Um, so I'm like, hey. here's the here's my favorite part. My favorite part about when people tell me that they were sexually assaulted. So what was your conversation with the police like? <laughs> I didn't call the cops. No way. I know, right? Fuck. Because. <clears throat> This is, might be a new thing for you because of my toxic empathy. That's so when I was talking about like the whole like you go to your mom because something vicious like that has happened and your mom going, ah, I mean, this is just being a, a woman, honey. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome yeah. to my world. Like well, that. That. What did you call it before? Toxic empathy. No, no, no. no. Uh, generational oh, trauma. Gen- yeah. Generational trauma. That whole generational yeah. trauma thing. You just go, ah, you know what? Shame on me for letting a stranger come in my home. Exactly. Like this, uh, it's it's so hard to describe to people like why women don't go and report things mm-hmm. unless it's happened to them or uh, somebody close to you has gone through it. Right. Because when you're watching it, 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 
it angers me to no end. Because we're trained to gaslight ourselves and say it's not that big of a deal and put yourself in that person's shoes. So that's also where the toxic empathy comes from, where you're like, well, I don't want to fuck up their life and they probably didn't know what they were doing and they probably didn't mean it or, you know, they probably meant well. And a lot of that comes from being in a relationship with you know, my ex being gaslit from the narcissistic abuse and just wanting to work things out and give them the benefit of doubt because this person cares for me, or at least they say they do. This person's mm-hmm. supposed to have my best interest in mind. I don't like, or at least they, they say they do. This person loves me, or at least they say they do. It's, it's all have, of those things. Not to, okay. Have you been assaulted before? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> So I still don't entirely understand it, but from people that I've spoken with, there's this other survival thing that kicks in where, like, you're, I don't know if shutting down is the right phrasing, but, like, shutting down and letting this thing happen because what are you going to do if you fight back right now? Yeah. What's going to, you're all alone. Your the whatever situation you're in, this terrifying notion that you just have to let this mm-hmm. fucked up thing happen mm-hmm. is like so beyond my scope of understanding mm-hmm. that, like, if you're listening, that that's try to wrap your head around that. Try to put yourself in in those shoes as to like. Yeah. Some type of situation where you just have to let a horrifying thing happen. Yeah. To you. So I think for me, it was like <laughs> I was, I drank too much. I had this person over. I made us dinner. His dog even came over. And it was, I just met this person. And because I'm not familiar with, like, <laughs> again, I'm stupid for inviting a guy over to my house that I barely know. But I felt safe in my own home. But I, what I, I wasn't cautious enough to monitor how much I was drinking, and I felt tired. So I laid down on the couch, and next thing I know, this guy is on top of me, trying to pull down my pants and pinning my arms behind my back, in my own home. And because I'm now in this situation where I don't want to be in, and if I fight back, I don't want to get hurt or abused or make it worse. So not that I gave in, but just like try to lightly play it off. And so that's the thing that I hear yeah. constantly is playing it off. Yeah. Which but I think that's that's that survival thing. Yeah. So it's not shutting down. It's not giving up. It's like. What other option do we have right now? Exactly. Yeah. So eventually um, he got off and I told him I was tired and I wanted to sleep. And he's like, yeah, I've got work. And then he left. And then the next day, because he was like, oh, hey, I want to hang out. And then that's when I told him, this is what you did to me. I am not okay with this. Like this, you, you read the cues wrong. And because I felt threatened, I was not capable of telling you in that moment because I don't know you. And you created an unsafe environment for me. And he was extremely and profusely apologetic. But then, like, 
still trying to go on a date with me. And I'm like, no, no, no. I've already told you I don't want to see you again. Like, I'm not calling the cops on you or anything. I'm not filing a police report. But, like, you tried to rape me. (laughs) And that was not cool. And I don't know why you think that that is opening up, like, I I still like you. I don't like you. You did something bad to me. And I I don't want to see you again. If you were agreeing to go on a date, that's validation for him that he's not a bad person. Exactly. And so that's why, like, yeah, the uh, I had somebody on who um, is a massive advocate for victims and has gone through loads of shit herself, but like went and did a talk for sexual offenders, mm-hmm. and so. There is like there are like recovery programs for individuals like that. Um, but the she said the number one question was when when will they forgive me? And it's like the your victim never owes you and a like any any validation for you. Yeah. They're already trying to live through what happened. Yeah. Your feelings don't compare to their lived experience. Right. And something that I think guys don't necessarily hear is that women are, again, sexualized at a very young age. Yeah. I remember walking to my house to work and cars honking at me and like catcalling me. And I was 14 being in the seventh grade and having a science teacher look down my shirt to stare at my tits. Um, you know, taking the subway or the train home and having some drunk guy like grope me. Um, it's just like all of these different situations. Oh, being um after getting married, um, a worker like a a contractor coming into the office that I worked with and trying to kiss me in my own office. Like, inappropriate. This is a work environment, and I never gave you any sort of cue that I was remotely interested in you, and you know I'm married. Not okay. And then, oh, and not on, to- and on top of that, when I told my boss, her saying, oh, honey, when you're my age, you're going to wish boys just came up and kissed you. And I'm like, you're out of, you're part of the problem. <laughs> generational trauma baby i know so it's just something that girls have to live with you have to raise girls knowing that they are going to be sexually assaulted or sexualized at a very young age it's so fucking infuriating how do you like i know you've got a daughter oh i rage (laughs) constantly anytime kim uh brings up some fucking bullshit uh yeah, some guy grabbed her ass at a concert yeah. with, with Landon, with our son. Yeah. Um, and like because he's there, her thought was, Oh, I can't I can't make a scene. I don't want to make him have a bad experience. Like that this it, it's crazy. Like yeah. when people talk about cancel culture and stuff, it's like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> the people that get canceled, all that happens is minor discomfort in their career for a little bit. And then, like, Louis C.K. is still fucking thriving. I know. Dude is killing it still. 
all that happened was for nine months. That's the longest break that he took was nine months off of doing films and stand up. And then he was right back at it. And it's like, that's nothing compared to the bullshit that they. So the whole cancel culture thing, the fact that it got turned around and turned into like, it's like um, when people try to talk about uh, reverse reverse racism so like when white people are like i've experienced racism oh really you've experienced racism (laughs) what the fuck happened (laughs) tell me how you know you have to go home and explain to your caucasian family that when they go into the workplace people are gonna think that you know you're good at your job and that you deserve a promotion yeah like what what sorry so I spiral (laughs) like with the the, like having kids thing like because of all of the shit that happens to my adult friends. Yeah. Hearing the stories of like my kids are that age now. My kids are the age of bullshit beginning. Yeah. And it's fucking horrifying, dude. I don't like it at all. Yeah. It's terrifying. I want both my kids to be gay. And so that neither of them can ever get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And and then for them both to be MMA fighters. I want Mm. I want people to be terrified of my gay children. That's what I my perfect world. You got high hopes for your kids. I don't think I have I don't I don't think I have any like (laughs) I don't I don't think I have any like wants or needs. I'm like just be, just don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, John Oliver has the the best like uh, explanation for um, like how consent works. Mm-hmm. She's like, somebody comes over and you're like, would you like some tea? And they're like, well, sure, I could go for some tea. You could go through the whole process, make the tea, set a table, get a cup, pour them the cup. If you put the cup in front of them and they say, you know what? I actually don't want tea. Mm-hmm. You don't get to start pouring tea into their mouth. <laughs> exactly. And if they're asleep, they can't even tell you if they want the tea or not. Yeah. So don't pour the tea on them. Yeah. For as insane as that sounds, it's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Like it, it's that absurd exactly. to think that just because you prepped all of this shit Okay, I have all of the recipes for you giving me sex. Give me sex. Now now I take the sex. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, okay, so I have all the recipes. I'm just going to put everything into the oven. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or if you're asleep, like, well, I have all this cake batter. I'm going to, what am I going to, I'm going to not put it in the oven? Yeah. I'm going to pour it all over the oven. Right. <laughs> It's just crazy to me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and that's kind of why I just giving up on dating and men. I'm just going to become a, I'm going to become a monk or a lesbian. I don't know. Be a lesbian. Be a lesbian. <laughs> I, you know, I do drive a lesbio. <laughs> <laughs> Love that car. So, okay. Total the last one and I got another one. <laughs> oh, nice. That's the best. Saved my life. When hey. you, uh oh, that's a good way or of looking Jesus at it. Jesus did. Jesus took the wheel. Jesus I don't did know. take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus, you're a terrible driver. 
But thank goodness we didn't die. Exactly. Um, so in all of the things that you're going through, because you're, I think, maybe the second guest where they've come on to talk about a thing mm -hmm. and there isn't like a resolve for you to give advice yeah. to people, really. Yeah. So I'm more interested in like, do you have you set up a plan to try to handle because I know when talking about the whole like fashion thing, mm -hmm. you're you're on the like production side more yeah. than you are like the runway side. Yeah. So the planning and what needs to go into a thing in order to make shit happen. Yeah. Seems to be your wheelhouse. Right. Are you approaching your mental health in the same way? So it comes in waves for me. Like three months ago, I was in a much better place. Um, and my therapist was like distancing our therapy sessions from like once, you know, once a week to every three weeks to once a month. But now it's a little bit more frequent because my depression has increased. And both you and her agree that, or not agree, but are strongly suggesting me to go back on my meds because I stopped taking well, them. Well, surprise, surprise, I've surprise. been talking to your therapist. We're on the same team. I know. But, okay, so, <laughs> um, but the reason why I stopped taking them wasn't just because of the car accident. It was because I wanted to, I wanted to force myself to manage my emotions without okay. a crutch. And I felt like I was in a safe environment and a much better place in my life where I could do that. And I did a lot of crying. <laughs> and um, I was able to unmask and actually feel all those feelings and work through them and rationalize them, work through it with my therapist as well. I had bad weeks. I had great weeks. Also, coming off of your meds, your depression <laughs> meds, did not know you were supposed to wean off, but I just went cold turkey, and it was a wild ride. Yeah. Did you, I forget if Lexpro does it, but uh, brain zaps? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, it was like, oh, there's one. Oh, there's not one. Not to brag or anything, but I've been on a lot of meds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of uh, brain zaps. It was just kind of like, and you feel good now. Well, and it's almost like that feeling when you're falling asleep and you do that head jerk. Yeah. It's like miniature versions of that. And you're like, what the fuck? But yeah. And at the same time, because I didn't have that, I guess, like filter. Mm -hmm. of So when emotions, like when something bad happened to me or like a different situation that I wasn't expecting, it was like, I, I didn't have that pause that the medication gave me. Mm. So I was having to force myself to do that on top of having the brain zaps and like, uh, uh, what do I do? What do I do? And kind of react in a different way, which was helpful, but not, but there were, yeah, but I made it through and I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also well, not okay. <laughs> and that, that, that boredom thing that we were talking about. Yeah. Or that we have talked about before. Um, like when you have nothing to do there's two different ways of looking at it like i have nothing to do sick i'm gonna make a painting or i'm gonna do xyz yeah or there's the boredom where you go what should i be doing right and so i think medication helps in that regard to go sometimes you're just fucking bored and 
that feeling, that dreadful feeling of like, I'm not fulfilling my duty as an adult or as a whatever because I'm not doing anything right now. Right. So um, in terms of plans, I'm still in constant reach with my therapist, which I love her. She's like the grandma I never had. I know. She's like, I'm always holding you to the light and thinking warm thoughts. She's not religious, but I mean, she's like, I'm it sounds like she wants to light you on fire. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true, but she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, she's, yeah, I feel very supported by her and she's helped me in so many ways. And I'm so grateful for her. Um, you know, it's funny. She was actually, um, she was. Um, Wait interning with my couples counselor so she was like in some of my sessions oh shit yeah i don't yeah so when i um when our relationship dissolved she's like oh yeah he was abusive yeah i was gonna say (laughs) when you started to say that something clicked in the yeah okay i thought i remember okay when i say abusive i don't mean physical abuse oh no 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 i meant i just want to make sure that's the, the correlation of how you got your therapist yeah so I reached out to my couple couples counselor saying, I, I want to continue therapy on my own. Is there someone I can reach out to? He's like, oh, yeah. And he gave me a list. Then I saw her name. I'm like, I want her. I love her. And then I started sessions with her. And um, she she was so great um, and, like, open to available times and whatnot and, like, working with me. And um, I think her being a part in some of the sessions, like, very few, maybe, like, two or three of um those couple counseling sessions I had with my ex, it gave me validation that it was a emotionally and verbally abusive relationship. And abuse is abuse. Yeah. And I I even still struggle with that. Like it like am I a victim of abuse? I I don't feel like I'm a victim of abuse, but at the same time, I'm having to deal with all of these traumas. Going on dates with um, some men, like they'll ask me for certain things, or like they'll be, I'll be in certain situations, and it like it's triggering for me, and then oh, it's yeah. like bringing back all this like residual trauma. Like, oh my god, this happened to me last time in my marriage, and now I'm like I'm shutting down again, or I feel a certain way about it, and then I'm realizing shit, I have more work to do. Because I didn't realize this was going to trigger that. And dealing with that on a daily basis. I mean, probably less so than I was before. before but um, yeah, I don't know. She's, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's always interesting, like, as adults, like, now that mental health, mental health is, like, so, it's, it's in a weird spot because it, like, gained popularity yeah and instead of what do we actually do with mental health it was more of what's my diagnosis right and then just a bunch of people thinking that oh i got diagnosed um i saw a therapist for a little bit and realized that i have this um but i don't do anything with it Right. Like if you get diagnosed with anxiety, if you get diagnosed with depression, those things don't disappear. Mm-hmm. It's not gone. It's a disability. People don't understand that. When yeah. you have to apply for jobs and it lists out all the different types of, of disabilities, anxiety and depression is two of those disabilities. 
you have a disability if you have anxiety (laughs) and depression. Yeah. Just because you can manage it, like, it doesn't mean that it disappeared. Yeah. Or when somebody says, I got anxiety when I was 24 or whatever the fuck. Like, no, you had it the whole time. You just, it finally culminated into this thing where your body was like, we're out of coping mechanisms. Right. Right. Yeah. And I. Or we're out of uh, ways to mask the fact that we have this thing. Right. Another thing is anxiety, depression. I know you mentioned this last time we spoke to also ADD. Mm, Yeah. Those are all intertwined with each other. And a lot of times what happens is if you're depressed and you start taking antidepressants, I read something about it. It was like, now you're procrastinating because your anxiety was was perpetually making you like move forward and progress. And now that you don't, you aren't depressed anymore, your ADD is making you procrastinate and you're focusing on things that you shouldn't be focusing on. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it it, it removes the, um, uh, oh, the, fuck, there's all of these phrases. I need to just have a booklet for all this shit. <laughs> but, uh, but basically like that sixth sense of like, I think there might be a predator nearby. Right. When you have like severe anxiety, severe depression. You have that that thing is active way more than it needs to be. Right. And so when it's gone, you're like, oh, well, what else is there to do? Right. What the fuck is that? Right. What the fuck is that? Let's go for a bike ride. Right. Oh, a butterfly. Like your brain is just so I get what you're saying. Yeah. I kind of figured that's where you were going. Um, And yeah, it's super hard. So not realizing that you, most people don't have just a thing right typically you have two things right um some of us are lucky and have like five things i think i have three i think i have ADD. <laughs> uh adhd technically it's hypomania yeah um and then anxiety clinical depression yeah. uh addiction yeah this is a bunch of fun things yeah but because of those things you it can come back so with the procrastinating Mm -hmm. thing it can fuck you up and go oh because i'm not worrying about anything anymore i have let this thing go by the wayside Mm -hmm. and then you get blindsided either by yourself coworker, whatever right um and go oh shit i missed this big thing right maybe the pills are making me unaware of Mm -hmm. what i need to be focusing on Right. And so it's this tricky fucking dance to try to figure out what do I need? What are the actual causes of or what what actually led to these situations that I got myself into versus what am I passing the blame off onto? Right. So it's it's tricky. And that's why when we talked about the medication thing is like I try so hard to advocate for medication, even though it's can get such a bad rap. Medication isn't, you don't just do the medication. Right. A lot of people think you take a pill and mm-hmm. then it transforms you. Right. You take a pill just so that you can be functioning enough to start to do the work. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you might learn that there's other things you need to work on mm-hmm. or that there are other obstacles that you weren't aware of. Right. So there's, it's, it's a, it, it's a time, it can be a time consuming thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think I am just scared of going back on it and then using it as a crutch to not do... I mean, I know I'm depressed. But are I'm you not... the type of person that uses crutches? <sighs> yes. <laughs> are you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was in a toxic abusive relationship and i kept trying to think like it's going to get better we're gonna do the work we're gonna like it took i was me gonna so say long. it's it, i think it's more I'm, i i can get i can easily gaslight myself okay okay into thinking that things are okay when they're not okay and then with the the medication i can just make it no it's it's totally fine like you don't feel a thing okay and i'm worried about that i think the fact that you now have that self-awareness, mm-hmm. though, that's part of that whole journey. And that's why oh, medication yeah. can suck is because you think that it's going to be one thing. And then, like I was saying, like you, even though you start doing the work, you learn that there was something else in the mix. Yeah. So the fact that you have the self-awareness of the crutch. So here's where you find out if you're a piece of shit or not. Because <laughs> I have many friends who do this where they, okay, so you've learned that you have a thing. Right. What are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Yeah. So I'm. So you you know, sorry to cut you off That's immediately, okay. um, but you know that you have the potential to utilize something as a crutch. Mm-hmm. So how do you protect yourself from utilizing that as a crutch? That's that's yeah. where I was trying to get to. So, um, there are a few things that I kind of want to talk about. Um, where were you on January sixth? <laughs> I was at <laughs> I was at home in the basement watching it all unfold. <laughs> Sorry, okay. <laughs> Doom scrolling CNN. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. That's where it was. Um, uh, so for me, um, and I lost my train of thought. Sorry. That's I was okay. trying to lighten the mood again. No, no, no. It's, but, I loved so, it. Yeah, so the things that you're, you're planning on doing planning to on make doing. sure that you don't utilize it as a crutch. Instead of being afraid of the fact that you could use it as a crutch. Yeah. Focus on what you can do to protect yourself from getting to that point. Got it. So um, now that I am in my own house, I am no longer living with a person that I am scared of their reactions. So I feel safe saying what I want to say and doing what I want to do and not having to mask. And because that person is now removed from my life I and the relation and most of the relationships that I have now are either new or they're um they're safer I have no problem saying what's on my mind setting up those boundaries and working through those emotions but also saying them with kindness and um I guess politically diplomatically Mm, yeah um because I, I have those tools with therapy, through therapy, and um, that makes it easier. But also recognizing patterns in my own self-destructive behaviors. Mm. Um, also, again, through therapy. I mean, this is interesting because I have, like, such... A surface. I mean, we've gone deep in conversation, right. but I, I don't like. I haven't like spent a weekend with you or any shit like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know what you're like out in the wild. 
You so won't see me out in the wild ever <laughs> because I'm in my house as a self-destructive pattern. I'm depressed. I'm oh. sad. I'm staying inside. I don't like humans. I don't like people. Actually, I did go out last night <laughs> by myself, but then I was reminded why women shouldn't go to bars by themselves. <laughs> yeah. But also, society, we got to knock that off. I get hit on anything with a penis. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Can I just have a drink? But I mean, it, so it's interesting to like hear you like talk about these things and, mm-hmm. and in my brain trying to figure out like I like yeah. that you mimicked the <laughs> mm-hmm. but like I don't I don't see how these things could be possible because you're such a self and maybe it's because of the setting. Yeah. You're so self-aware now mm-hmm. that I don't see how you could fail because you are capable of you know thinking these things through mm-hmm. and recognizing these situations so maybe listen back on this yeah. to listen to yourself to say yeah i have me to fall back on yeah honestly what keeps me going is my kids because if i fail them i fail myself and if i don't do the self work that I need, they are doomed to repeat those patterns because as kids, we learn how to communicate from our parents. So removing myself from a relationship that was no longer a happy marriage and it was toxic. My kids are now in a, have two happier parents aside from each other. Um, And they can see how you don't need a relationship to define you. You don't need to stay in a relationship mm. that is toxic. You need to do what is right for you. And it's a conversation I tried to have with my oldest the other day. Um, also, trying to break those generational traumas and patterns as well. Like my mom being alienated and isolated from her family. She never... I mean, she did have friends, um, but... As I got older, I saw that she was more isolating herself. Have you tried to have these conversations with her? I have. And a lot of it goes back to, yes, we know we're depressed, but we're old. (laughs) We're going to die soon. We're stuck in our ways. We don't want to go to therapy. It's fine. Yeah. And me, I'm like, I have young children. (laughs) I don't accept this life anymore i don't want to i don't want to be depressed i don't want my kids to have this as a standard of their life Mm. so i need to progress i need to do the work i need to not isolate myself which i still do but they don't see it because when i'm with them Mm. i do it when i'm when i don't have them we when have, you were have, growing up, did you recognize that that's what your mom was doing, though? Yeah. I mean, oh, really? Up, yeah. Because a lot of the times, like, we were just kind of left our own devices as kids growing up, and my mom was in the back room just watching TV, not interacting with us. But I'm saying, did you, like... And she never really went anywhere or did anything. She'd go to work and she'd come home. Memories can get fucked up because we learn things and then look back and then say, like, was I actually self-aware was i aware of what was happening to my mother or was i actually aware of what was happening to my dad and because we're constantly looking to solve puzzles Mm -hmm. sometimes your brain just goes yeah we knew we knew from from right there i think i i I think i knew but i didn't know how to put it into words and as i got older i 
was able to recognize what actually what was going on with my parents when I was in high school. Okay. And um, especially like they got into fights and like they would separate, they'd get back together, they'd separate, they get, but they were still living in the same house. My mom was just sleeping on the couch and like I'd, you know, stay up late and then like realize my mom is sleeping on the couch. That's yeah. weird. But I was, you know, in high school, I'm always in my, my room like, ooh, I don't want to like socialize with my parents, don't touch me, you know? Like, I don't know. And I wanted to go out and hang out with my friends. Yeah. Um, so I was more of a recluse and more of an introvert just seeing those patterns. And because my dad is very reactionary and stubborn and he can be aggressive and explosive and how he communicates, um, when there is an issue that he has or he's trying to express, Mm -hmm. that's, I was dealing with that as well. And I'm still dealing with it. Sometimes I do overreact. I think most people do. So just recognizing that and taking a step back, like, I need a minute. What am I actually mad about? (laughs) Or you're sad. And then you start spiraling because you're sad. All of these things, like, honestly, after, like, I moved out, it was like all of these things just started crumbling. Like, my life was literally set on fire. Like, if you hold on to, I felt like I was just holding on to so many toxic things in my life that the universe was just like you don't need any of this anymore it's time to rebuild set it all on fire let it burn and i'm like can you just make it stop now please and i'm hoping that this year is like the year of the phoenix of like the rebirth or whatever something like that i don't know i think we gotta stop putting weight on it's very similar to the way that addicts put weight on their higher power. Yeah. Lots of people put weight on the fact that it's a new year, new me. Yeah. Time is a figment of our imagination. It's true. Dude. It's true. Whether you started this shit two weeks ago. Wait, what's today? 11th? I, yeah. So whether it? you started this shit two weeks ago mm-hmm. or January 1st, yeah. it has to happen regardless. Yeah, no, and you're so right. Um, I felt like every time there was like a new step in my life, like, okay, I can't stay in this house. Like there's so much like fixing in my life. Like I can't stay in this house with my partner because he's manipulating me and, uh, you know, allegedly coming home drunk and <laughs> picking fights with so me. So good at remembering that. I know. Um, and we're we're fighting and it's a hostile environment. I don't feel safe here. I actually remember texting my boss like one one um one night and being like, I don't feel safe. She's like, pack the kids up, come and stay with me. Aww. I know, she's so sweet. Um and then like having to inform my therapist, my physician, and um my lawyer even like, I do not feel safe living in this house anymore. And then her having me call like a women's like safe house or whatever and like setting up like a whole thing with her. I'm like, okay, like you have a place to go and just in case because there were times where he would be super angry and he would rush up to me as if he was going to hit me in the face. <sighs> or he was like so angry that he was like punching pillows next to my body. And I'm like, what do I do? And like, I'm not going to let it... In, in the moment, like, I can't let it phase me. I just have to, like, watch it unfold because I can't – I'm scared, 
But at the same time, like, I feel like if I flinch, like, it may worsen it. I don't know. I, I feel like I have to stand my ground at the same time. Yeah. And try not to react. But it's fucking terrifying. That goes back to that that whole survival thing yeah. of that individual in your home. This is your home at but the time. But it's not my home. You know what I, don't I mean, live though? There like, anymore. I knew I was going to leave. Like, at the same time, like, that's not my the, house. The pillow thing was happening during separation? Yeah, it was happening, yeah, during separation. And But I, you didn't have any place to go, right? I didn't have any place to go. So that's what I mean is, like, in the same sense that, like, you don't know if because of the situation, it's a new situation, he's not handling it well, if I go too far one way or the other, I'm either being submissive and he's going to take advantage of that or I overcorrect and something extremely violent might mm-hmm. happen. So that st- like rape culture really, yeah. like it still comes into play because you've had to have lived experiences. Yeah. Unfortunately, right. very fucking similar. Right. Your body's just like, well, we just got to let it happen. Yeah. There was the hostile environment and then buying a house and then like having to separate bank accounts and figuring out all of this shit, moving you gotta in. Turn this back. Sorry. And like figuring out all this shit, like setting up house, trying to get settled in. There was like a negative, but then there was a positive. And then like still having a full time job, like asking for a raise, getting it. And then <laughs> and then losing my job. But even with that, like, I'm going to go back to school because of that at the same time. I mean, I may be financially unstable somewhat right now. But there's, like, all these, like, I don't know, checks and balances, I guess. Like, negative, positive, negative, positive. Oh, so, sure. like, somewhat, so somehow I'm grounded. But at the same time, like when I'm spiraling and I'm like deep in my depression and I'm having like I'm in a therapy session where I'm like just Beth, I need you. I'm like really feeling um just down and I, I don't know how I can cope. She has to like remind me. She's like, but look at all that you've done. Stop looking back and seeing all the things that, you know, were challenging, but look how you overcame them instead. So Obviously, I have to con- continue therapy because I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I still have my down days where I'm spiraling, but then I have to stop it. Sometimes I have to force a social interaction and actually leave the fucking house. Sometimes I just because if I if I don't if I don't leave the house, what's happening is I'm just stuck in all of those like negative thoughts mm-hmm. left to overanalyze, start catastrophizing again and not progressing. So, but sometimes it's healthy to overanalyze, like, I don't know. What? Yeah. I don't know. I thought no. it was somewhat cathartic. Oh, okay. Somewhat. Because, okay, this is, I actually had a conversation with my therapist, whose, her name is Beth, um, where I was looking back on past friendships. Okay. Of when I first met my ex to um, now and how... Some of the friends, shared friends that we have, I feel like are no longer there for me. Mm. And she told me that you have to forgive yourself for who you were back then because you were young, you were naive, and you didn't do the work. So those people are, like, back out in California. Like, those people probably aren't reaching out to you because, you know, if they never liked you or whatever, or if they're not reaching out, like... Fine, or because they have a certain perception of you back then, and 
I've grown a lot since then. Fact, I have grown a lot since they have known me, right? The people that are now, so I can I can move on from that. Like if they don't reach out to me, it's because the person who they knew, I, like they still think I'm that same person, but I'm not that same person anymore. Yeah. Does that make sense? I can't oh, fault them for yeah, that. Yeah, no, sorry. The, the looking around, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where overanalyzing, because in my mind, overanalyzing, so what your therapist was doing was deconstructing that and bringing it back to present time. Yes. So I was overanalyzing those friendships, but it was healthy for me to talk her to talk with her about it so we can talk through and I uh, could Okay, okay. I could come to a conclusion and forgive my like not forgive those people but like kind of I don't want to say forgive but um uh, come to a conclusion. Have closure. Yeah, have closure on it. Yeah. And then the people that are no longer in my life, because no fault to their own, but they're doing the easiest thing that's for them. They live in the same neighborhood as my ex. They work for my ex. It makes sense that they are still close with him, and it makes sense that they are not reaching out because they've got families and lives of their own. I live, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes away. Yeah. Like, it makes sense, like... For them not to reach out or be there for me because it's not the easiest thing to do. What do you say? Like, what would you say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other thing is like, I there are people that I care deeply about mm-hmm. that I really only talk to like once a year. Yeah. And it's not that I don't want to be friends with them. It's just that like that, you know, cliche of like, you just time you grow apart. Yeah. And it's not that there's any malice behind it. Yeah. But the way that you were looking at it and the way that it applies to you now, I get how that, yeah. I get what you were trying to say with the, but yeah. like making sure that, yeah, when, when you, when you have those thoughts, mm-hmm. it's not the overanalyzing that's the healthy part. The healthy part is that you've learned how to, break it apart and mm-hmm. bring it back to the present time. Exactly. And that's when I need help. Because <laughs> <laughs> I still catastrophize, but I need help breaking it down. And I feel like I am getting better at it. Um, I Every once in a while, I just need reminding. And so I rely on my therapist for that. I know that that source is available to me. And I feel like I'm doing great with that on my own without the meds because I don't want to use the meds as a crutch. Yes, I still have my sad days. I'm human. Everybody does. Like, But those of us with a, a clinical like diagnosis, yeah, we're at a slight disadvantage. I'm not saying that you're like helpless, but there are they're they're not they're not meant to be crutches. They're meant to be in the same tool bag mm-hmm. as the rest of your shit. Right. Don't be afraid of them is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm no, not going to say not, like guess... force you to do right. take medication, do medication. I'm not going to force that on you. I just want to make sure that like c- because certain conclusions that people come to on here, I don't want it to be an excuse for yeah. somebody else listening to go, "Oh." <laughs> no, if, I mean I If Jessica can <laughs> <laughs> No, I I feel like Okay, when I started meds, like I said, I, there were times where I wanted to die, where I felt like my life did not matter. Like I knew my kids would be taken care of. Life was just so hard because of 
everything weighing so heavy. I'm going to start crying right now. It's okay. Everything weighing so heavy on me. And now I feel like a lot of that was the marriage dissolving. And because I am in a better place, I'm no longer in a hostile environment. I don't, I feel like I'm in a better place to get off the meds and start trying to, even if I do overanalyze, like use the tools I have that are not necessarily meds. The meds helped me. They helped me when I needed it. And I know that they are still there for me if I am ever in a situation where I feel like I want to die again or if I feel overwhelmed and I'm in a bad place again. And if I and I highly encourage people to use those and seek out help when they need it. But for me specifically, I I know it's there if I need it. But I also want to do the hard work of working through my emotions without a mask, without using the medication as a crutch. If I need to, I can. But also um, using different tools, like taking a step back, like holding some ice when I need a break and just regrounding myself. Interesting. Knowing I'm here or going out and like touching grass. Obviously, don't go out right now because there's like six feet of snow outside. <laughs> but hey, if you want to, I don't like the cold. <laughs> well, maybe if they don't have ice, they could just make a snowball. And I know. That. <laughs> right? <laughs> make a snowball. Everything's fine. Just make a snowball. <laughs> imagine that you're crushing <laughs> enemies <laughs> and then throw them away um and um reaching out to my therapist i have her number or she's an email away um if i need to or a friend and i'm not i yeah i don't i don't drink that much i don't like feeling drunk or inhibited by like in any of my I can't talk right no, now. No, no, no. You, you, that was exactly right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, You're, you means. don't want to fucking take amygdala blockers. Exactly. Um, I Feeling sad does make me feel human. I don't like to feel sad forever, but it, it's also a trigger for me to be like, you're overwhelmed. You need a fucking break. Go take a bath. <laughs> You smell like shit. <laughs> Go clean up. Your hair is greasy. Have you showered today? <laughs> You've been in the house for a week now. Go out and talk to some people. <laughs> have a have a connection with another human. But also like maybe not a dick that's going to like try and sexually assault you. <laughs> so I do remember ha- recently having a conversation with her of like there's all these things she keeps saying, what is your plan? Plan is to go back to school for higher education to better my stance because I can't leave Minnesota. I'm not exactly happy in Minnesota, but I can't leave it because I want the kids to have a relationship with their dad and I want to be there in their lives. I mean, the kids have, you know, his family here. My family's wherever. They're in Washington State, Colorado, Nevada, I don't know, Arizona fucking egypt for all i know i don't know i didn't realize they had shot off in different directions like that it's like fireworks um it's like the balls at dragon ball z would you make a wish afterwards they go yeah essentially um so and yeah um so i feel like it's important for the my kids to 
have a relationship with their cousins and their aunts and their uncle. Like, mm-hmm. they have other family here other than two parents. That's great. I want that for them. That's important. But for me, I have to make the best of the situation and just work on my mental health, my depression, my anxiety, go back to school, keep seeing my therapist, get a better job. I don't know. I have a house. Fix it up. Why am I on a fucking lake? (laughs) No business being on a fucking lake. I don't boat. I don't have a boat. (laughs) Sounds like you got to get yourself a boat. I don't want a boat. Maybe that's your summer plan is that you're going to construct a canoe. Oh, learn woodworking. Well, actually, you can make them out of fiberglass. Oh, then isn't that itchy? Don't eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Rev it all over my body. (laughs) But yeah, so like, I, I I'm I'm glad that you came on because like trying to figure like for everything where like I'm challenging you yeah it's also a reminder for me to like so for as much shit as I'm giving you for not being on medication you're being hard I, on me <laughs> I don't I don't go to therapy yeah this is my therapy yeah so like it's these so I like almost every episode I have to be like I don't mean to project but it's because it helps me figure shit out too. Yeah. So it helps remind me that the same feelings that you feel, Kim has felt. Yeah. And I, it's very easy for me to let certain things slip. Right. And then for her emotions to start to plummet. Right. So even though I'm having a blast, I got to remember that I still have to do those check-ins. Right. And so when I say listeners do this, do that, it's a reminder for me to make sure that I'm doing that shit too. Right. So I guess I just want to reiterate. The medicine helped me Mm. when I needed it because I had no motivation to get out of bed. Mm. I had little emotion to live. Mm. And I don't feel like I had a community to rely on around me. Everything was crumbling and falling apart. So I, on my own, went and sought it out. And got it and started taking it the same day I got it. I felt like I got off of it because I felt like I was in a much better place. And I was able to start using different methods to work through the issues I was still having. The overanalyzing, catastrophizing, um, finding different coping mechanisms, you know, isolation. I think there's like that, you can do like a diagram Mm -hmm. of like... What do you do when you're spiraling? Isolate myself. Um, and like what what are the things that um what are, what are the things that you want to do? I want to go out with friends, I want to go to concerts, I want to do all these things. Like, okay, well, what do you what are those feelings that you feel when you do those things? Oh, happiness, like excitement, like um, you know, being curious and insightful and um, you know, funny or whatever. It's like, well, okay, what are the feelings that you feel? I'm when you're fucking hilarious or whatever. Hilarious. I do think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are the feelings that you know, you, that start you start seeing when you're spiraling? Like, I'm sad. I'm depressed. Like, so it's like you have your feelings and action items. So when you start feeling certain ways, like, and then you you're able to start recognizing certain patterns. Like, oh, I feel sad, but I'm doing all these things. These things are not helping. All of these things, these things like spiraling is making me feel worse. So I need to stop doing that, reground myself and start doing things that do make me happy. Talking to friends, going to concerts, whatever. So it's like a constant cycle. So just kind of checking in with yourself. Like, what are you Mm, doing mm -hmm. 
like, what are you doing? And like, how do you feel? Like what these. are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the emergency exits are over here. <laughs> um, like, what are you doing? And like, how is it affecting you? And how are you feeling? And you're making it worse because you're not doing anything. So try doing these things, reaching out to people. And sometimes... It is hard to do those things that you want to do because of the way that you're feeling. But if you want to start feeling happy and like feeling like your normal self or feeling bored again in life, yeah. finding some sort of normalcy. Being, being, it's funny because Seinfeld uh, like put it in a way that is when it finally like connected with me that that's what my medication was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, being on stage there's comedians that panic when they they don't get a laugh right away mm-hmm. or there's too much of a span between. Um, so learning to sit comfortably in the silence mm-hmm. because you're still in control. Everyone's still watching you. You know what you're doing. So it was like, oh, like that's all the, my medication was doing. It's like going, you're still here. You have choices. Yeah. There's things that you can do. Like, just because nothing's happening right now doesn't mean that something's wrong or that you need to be going on some spiritual journey Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um, that like my diagnoses are more prone to Um, for other people. I don't necessarily know what that looks like in every situation, Um, but I can relate to the feeling of when everything settles and you're so used to chaos like, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. yeah. Or am I supposed to be doing anything at all? Or, am I, or do I give myself the grace to have this time to just right. fucking chill? I think there's also, like, for other people to recognize that there there is a stigma of, like, feeling depressed and anxiety and having all of these things. Like, there's shame. Oh, yeah. And reaching out to your friends that you're close with but may not know what's going wrong but having to admit to them like i am sad mm-hmm. i i'm going through a lot and sometimes i have a hard time with it <laughs> my friends are listening like there were many times where we went out to restaurants and i was being loud and emotional <laughs> and just breaking down <laughs> But they don't know everything because I was very selective with what I was feeling mm. um, and having to admit um, that I'm depressed. I have anxiety. Like sometimes I wanted, you know, I just want to crash my car into a tree and or, you know, go jump into the lake and never come out again. <laughs> um, but. I don't feel those feelings anymore, but like having to admit those to other people because you don't want to like you don't know what the reaction's gonna be. Right. You and like putting them in that position of like, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna abandon me? Are they not gonna talk to me anymore? Like, I need these people in my life, but I don't want to overwhelm them with my feelings. And I don't want to and if I lost them because they because I'm burdening them and they can't they don't have the capacity for this or they can't handle it. Yeah. They're going to leave me and I'm going to feel even more abandoned. But so there's that too. Oh, That's for sure. where you need therapy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's scary because you never want to put anybody out and yeah. 
But I mean, have you ever had a friend that you opened up to and they were like, that's too much. No, thank you. No, I don't think so. That's the thing is most of the time, the people that you surround yourself with and consider friends, they're happy to to oblige and and let you air your shit out. But it's scary to like, how do you know until you've done it? Right. And. But it's scary. Yeah. (laughs) It's scary. But like, because. And I find when I finally admit those feelings to my friends or open up. It's like a floodgate and I'm like crying and it's just ugly. <laughs> it's uh it's like opening up the floodgates and you're just like a just a fucking mess on the floor. <laughs> but then you feel so much better. Yeah. And it's more it's more cathartic. And it's not necessarily that you need them to do anything. It's just you need someone to talk to about it. You need someone else like aware of the pain that you're in. Because if it's mental pain, it's also going to be physical pain. Most of the time. Most of the time. Like your muscles feel it. They contract. I tell you I have a back of an 80-year-old woman because of all of the shit I've been through. I see my chiropractor religiously like once or twice a month. And he's like, finally, because it was it was partly because of the car accident. But now I keep going because oh, sure. I'm just in, I'm, I have a lot of back problems. And now he was like, you know, Ceres? It's starting to look like it's not the accident anymore. It's your life. You got a lot of shit going on. I'm like, I don't like that you know me so so well anymore. <laughs> He's like, you need to start doing yoga. Okay. You need to start going for walks and clearing your head for mental health. Okay. <laughs> drink water. Okay. So funny that drink water is something that needs to be said. I know. <laughs> Drink your fucking water, bitches. Drink your goddamn water. I'm I'm terrible at it, even still. Have an H2O party. I know, right? Seriously. That's what you need. You need, like, all of the people that have been on the podcast. They come over, we have a party, and we, we just drink water and have apps. Ooh, Make it a yeah. potluck. Different appetizers. The water. It's a water trauma bond party. I, I mean, I, I do have some some plans. I'll, I'll talk to you off the, the microphone, but... Um, I just want to say thank you for being willing to to come on and 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 because like I was saying before, like it is you mm-hmm. primarily like sharing the 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 most of the the intimate stuff, but like yeah, it it if it doesn't help any listener, it at least helps me. Yeah. Um, and I hope you consider me a friend. I do. Okay. We're, I was just... we're fellow West Coasters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this I I know. I'm sorry for not like. No, because it takes two to tango. It's just I have a lot on my plate, and like, I think rebuilding a community, uh, rebuilding a community, just seems like very overwhelming. It's taxing. It is. (laughs) I'm like, and I'm an introvert. You're not an introvert. Kim's an introvert. I know. So it's just like, oh, this thing. I have to meet people. I have to include them in my life and tell them the things I do. And uh, I'd rather just draw stuff. It's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for doing this and you're welcome back anytime. And uh hopefully we'll have some more art to display yeah. on, on the wealth there. We'll put them up on the fridge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, thank you. Uh thank appreciate you. you. And to the listeners, be well to yourselves. <laughs>